Thanks for listening to our Faith Church podcast. Let's listen to today's message. Um, we're going to jump into the Word. We've been working on a series and uh, on discovering grace. And I trust these last three weeks have been really impactful for you as far as your prayer and fasting time. I want to say thank you to all that jumped in. And I know some are going to continue to fast and pray. But thank you for all that are praying and fasting. I really believe um, we will see the fruit of it individually, corporately. Um, we're going to see the fruit. When you plant a seed, there is fruit that will come back in. And I believe we will see the fruit of our prayers, of our fasting, and it will take place in our lives. And as you're turning uh, in the Bible, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, we've been talking about discovering grace. And uh, one of the scriptures that I've been using all along is James 4, 6. And it says, he gives grace generously. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And uh, as we're heading into this message, one of the things that I have really discovered more and more, and I just didn't see it before, um, but really how much grace has to do with humility. I did not realize almost every passage I've turned to and I study grace, humility is required. Humility is required to walk in grace. We all need grace. We all want to walk in grace of God. Just because you desire to walk in grace of God, what's the grace of God? The empowering presence of God to be who he's called you to be and do what he's called you to do. We all want to be who he's called us to be. We all want to do what he's called us to do. But not everybody walks in the grace of God. And we've been talking about this. Um, largely, one of the main reasons is lack of humility. Pride keeps us. But as I read in James, God opposes the proud. And we have a lot more pride than sometimes we want to admit. Pride can be deadly. Pride can really destroy relationships, destroy our relationship with God. It can destroy our relationship with one another. And so... If you've missed any of the first three weeks, I encourage you to go back and watch it. Week one, we talked about how do I find grace. Week two, we talked about grace to be righteous. Last week, we talked about grace to know who I am. And I want to encourage you, if you missed that, check it out. This week, I want to talk about grace when under attack. Anybody knows what it feels like to come under attack of the enemy? You know that feeling? It is a horrible feeling. It is not a fun experience. Um, and so we're going to talk about it out of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10. And I want to, as we lay out this passage, I've preached on this passage once or twice before. I've heard it preached on. Um, but I will tell you this. This passage, number one, is not an easy passage to preach out of. And I think it's a very difficult passage to preach if you're preaching it, if you're giving it justice. Secondly, I, I think this passage requires much more exploring than we've ever done. You know, there are passages I've preached, there's passages I've read, and the more I read them and the more I explore them, the more I understand about God. This is one of those passages where the more I read this passage, the more I'm learning about God, the more I'm learning about how he thinks the way he is. And so I, I want to encourage you today, as you read this, I don't have all knowledge. I don't have all understanding of this passage. But I'm, I, I believe God gave me a few little things that were really significant to understanding this passage. Because it's a hard passage. It really is. Uh, but how do I find grace when I'm under attack from the enemy? How do I find grace? How do I find the mind of God, the will of God, how do I do what God's called me to do? How do I find power with God while I'm under attack from the enemy? 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. Paul says, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Let me, let me stop there and, and give you an intro into this. So Paul makes this statement. He says, I don't want to get proud. I don't want to 
um, sound arrogant. I don't want to be conceited. I don't want to be puffed up. That's what he means by being exalted above measure, above, uh, above God, above the things of, of, of others. I don't want to be any better than anybody else. But he's talking about what verses 1 through 6. And in verses 1 through 6, Paul shares about his experience with going into the third heaven with God and seeing things in heaven that were so incredible that he couldn't even explain them in any earthly language. He couldn't explain these things. He couldn't explain what he was seeing. He couldn't explain what happened. It was so wonderful. And the revelations and the visions that he'd get from God were so deep and were so intense that he realized God was showing him some things, but he did. He also knew it was very dangerous to put yourself in a place where you think you're better than somebody else. And Paul did not want to put himself in a place where he thought he was better because he was Paul. God was showing him these things. God would show, God's shown plenty of things to plenty of people through the years. And just because God shows you something doesn't make you better. It just makes you you. And so sometimes people get caught up in, with people who have lots of visions or lots of dreams. Be honest with you, a lot of people's dreams, a lot of people's visions aren't from God. They're just dreams and visions. There are dreams and visions from God, but I've heard dreams and visions throughout my whole life. I've grown up with that, and I can tell you as somebody who dreams every single night, which I do, only a handful are from the Lord. The rest are just rolling stuff, rolling through my head. And this is where people get confused because they, they think that getting dreams or getting visions makes you somebody special. In the book of Acts, uh, they said, Peter said, hey, this is going to be normal. Our sons and daughters are going to get dreams and visions. This is not going to be something for, for the apostles or for everybody else. This is going to be something that's just normal for people to have, dreams and visions. So Paul, God was challenging Paul, make sure you stay humble. Make sure you don't, because I show you all these things, you don't think you're better than anybody else. But he explains it in a way that is a little hard to look at. Because he comes under attack and he says, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Paul knew why he was being attacked by Satan. Paul knew the attack he was presently in from Satan was so that he would not become proud. The attack he was dealing with from Satan was to keep him humble. Paul knew that he was coming under attack. He knew Satan was, was attacking him. And I don't know about you, but how many times when you're going through something, the very first question you ask God is, why is this happening? Why is this happening? Why, God, do, am I going through this? I go to church all the time. I give my tithes and my offerings most of the time. I serve in the church. I, I like people. I witness. I only hate a couple. And so why is this happening to me? Why am I going through all that I'm going through? How many times has it rolled through your spirit, through your mind, or you heard from God, the reason you're under attack is because you're too proud. Because you need to humble yourself. How many times has that even been a thought? Well, you know, I wonder if the reason I'm under attack is because God wants to make sure that pride doesn't take me out. Paul knew why he was under attack. Paul understood one of the reasons he was under attack was because of pride. We can't afford to let pride come into our heart. Pride is deadly. Pride is a killer. And pride keeps things, keeps people from the grace of God. Pride keeps people from doing the will of God. We all have pride to some level. There's pride. And in America, Americans are loaded with pride. We're loaded with pride at every level. I've seen poor pride. I've seen rich pride. 
I've seen Democrat pride. I've seen Republican pride. I've seen independent pride. I've seen green pride. I've seen climate pride. I've seen pride everywhere. Everybody's got pride. Healthcare pride. I'm the smartest guy in the room pride. I'm the richest guy in the room pride. And sometimes we don't realize that our pride is opening the door to an attack from Satan. Not every time, and I'll share that in a minute, but sometimes it's our pride. Let me explain a couple of different avenues how pride works. Sometimes, you know, one of the things I know is when I'm under attack, I want to get through it as quick as possible. I don't look forward and say, bring it on, Satan. I don't do that. I have never said that in my life. I've heard people say that, and I think they're the dumbest people on earth. <laughs> I do not look to bring on attacks on the enemy. I, I do not. I'm grateful for the grace of God. I'm grateful for the hedge of protection that's around me and my family. I'm not here to taunt the enemy. I, don't, I got more important things to focus on. Seeing souls saved, seeing people healed, seeing people delivered. There's more important things. But there are times when pride can come into our life and we might not even realize it's pride. For example, there are times when I have wrongly assumed something was from God and it wasn't. Maybe God wanted me to succeed in something or God said, I want you to do this. And there's times when I've wrongly assumed God said that to me and he didn't. And there's times when he said that, when I thought he said that to me, that I got upset at God because he didn't back me up. There are times I put myself out there and said, I believe the Lord said this and he didn't. I'm trying to help us understand because so many times, and we're living in a nation that doesn't backpedal. They just dig in further. They could be lying the whole time, but this lie has to go its full course. We, sometimes we are in a place where maybe God's correcting us and God's saying, you know what, Steve, I never said that. But my pride doesn't want to admit that. My pride... You know, like I said, not every dream is from the Lord. I know for some of us, that's like shocking. Some of us write stuff down. I write stuff down I get from the Lord. Not everything I write is from the Lord. That's why I pray about it. God, is this from you? Sometimes in the midst of great challenges, we want God to act a certain way, so we write down what we think God should do, and he doesn't. We assume or we presume what God wants to do. There are times when we presume God's going to do something and we never asked him, are you going to do this? You might have presumed God's going to give you that house. God may have never intended to give you that house. And then you get upset with God because of pride. You may have presumed God was going to give you that spouse and God didn't give you that spouse. You get mad at God? It's pride. Pride has destroyed many people. Pride has destroyed many relationships. Pride has destroyed many, um, even relationships with God. It is destroyed. Pride has caused sickness and disease to open up in people's lives. Pride. We presume God wants to do something, and it's not God. And so we get mad, we get upset. And then we make excuses why God didn't do it. Sometimes we wrongly assume that I can just solve my own problems. God, I'll take this. I'll solve my marriage. I'll solve my, you know what, God? I'll call my doctor. I'll get a prescription for my doctor. I don't need you, I'm good. God, I'll call my lawyer. My lawyer will solve this. I'm good. 
I, I, I will solve my own problems. Whenever you decide to solve your own problems, it's pride. Pride will make it say, I, can, I, I don't need God to solve this. Have we not learned anything in America these last few years? You know what? This whole thing would be gone if, America, if American leaders would just bow their knee and repent and say, God, forgive us. But they're so full of pride, they keep going down all these roads that aren't working, thinking they're going to work. Because of pride. It's pride and arrogance. And God wants America to be saved, but until people are willing to bow their knee, until politicians are willing to bow the knee, until Christians, I've watched some Christians so full of pride going through all this stuff of what they think is right and wrong. You have no idea what's right and wrong. And you even, many, most people didn't even ask God what's right and wrong. They just followed the politicians. Well, this politician said this. Doctors don't even know what's right and wrong. Pride, pride, pride. And we wonder why we're still in the thick of dealing with demonic attacks. No humility. No humility. I can't even think of the last time a leader got up and said, you know what, we need to repent to God. We were wrong. And so we take that spirit on. And we become prideful. And I watch the church. I watch political parties. I watch businesses. They don't ask God, what, what do you think we should open? Do you think we should do this? Should we follow this rule, follow that? You know, when you take on pride, you are taking on an open door for Satan to move. Say, well, I'll just make my own decisions. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. And what happens is Satan will come in and it says, Paul says, it's a thorn in the flesh. You know, when you read in the Bible about thorns or you think about thorns, if you've ever grabbed a flower with thorns, you know you got thorns. It hurts. It causes bleeding. It causes pain. It causes all your focus to go on that spot. You're focused. You're in pain. You want to heal. Nobody says, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll take some thorns. And certainly not because Satan knows where to place them. Satan knows where to get you. Satan knows where to attack you, whether it's your physical body, whether it's your children, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your job, whether it's your finances. Satan knows where to attack us. And we need to be real careful because when Satan starts to attack, one of the questions we need to start asking is, God, is there pride in my life that needs to be dealt with? Is there something that I've got to humble myself over? Is there something that needs to change in my life? Because when Satan puts that sharp thing, notice what he says. You know, this passage has been debated for years and is still being debated. Scholars have debated what this passage means. And, and I'm not here to, to say I know more than anybody else. All I'm going to say is what the scripture says. And here's what I can see. First of all, I can see that it says a thorn in the flesh and then it adds these words, a messenger of Satan. So it tells me this is not just a sickness or just a disease. It could be a sickness, could be, but it is clearly a demonic spirit. When it says thorn in the flesh, demonic spirit. And this is where some Christians don't understand. I've heard Christians say, well, you know, demons can't affect me. Yes, they can. Well, you know, I'm saved, and when I got saved, demons can never affect me. Well, then what's wrong with Paul? How come they affect Paul? If they can attack Paul, can't they attack you? Are you better than Paul? And so when Christians say demons can't affect me, that's just pride. Sure, demons can affect me. Sure, demons can mess with you. You ever been harassed in your mind, tormented to such a point you felt like overwhelmed? Those are demons. Those are harassing spirits. Spirits. 
Those are real. We, we, don't, we, we don't know what we're talking about. And so sometimes when we, we listen to certain teachings and, and they sound great and then we go to follow them and it doesn't work, we think something's wrong with our Christianity. I've watched people get all down on their Christianity because they followed a certain teaching. They said, well, I did this and it didn't work. Like the teaching that's been out for a few years now, like you don't need to repent for your sins anymore. Well, so they don't repent for their sins anymore. What does that build? Pride. Well, I'm not going to repent. I don't need to repent. Pride. Well, Satan can't affect me. Sure he can. He can attack you. Now, we have authority, and when we step into the grace of God, the grace of God can push Satan out of our lives. But understand, you are not stronger it is God who is in you. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. I'm not stronger. Greater than is he. So how do I know how to deal with a spirit? How are you going to deal with a spirit? How are you going to attack a spirit? How are you going to tell it to leave? What are you going to do about it? And here was Paul's challenge. Paul was under attack. He knew he was dealing with some stuff. Not only does it say a, a, a spirit from Satan, a messenger from Satan, but it says a message to buffet me. What's the word buffet me? To strike me, to beat me, to attack me, to try and kill me, to bring in fear, to bring anxiety, to bring in torment, to bring in harassment. Satan's going to try to attack you. It's a buffeting spirit. It's an attacking spirit. It's a demonic spirit. And I do know what I'm talking about. I've dealt with them throughout the years in different forms and different ways. They're real. Well, you, you may say, well, Satan never attacks me. Well, maybe you're not doing anything for him to attack. <laughs> well, look at Joe over there. He's just laying on his couch all day. I don't need to worry about him. He's not going to witness anybody. He's not going to do anything. He's not going to. I'll leave Joe alone. Satan's going to attack. But I want to add to the list of just infirmities because we see a thorn in the flesh, which many scholars believe is sickness or disease. And I understand that. But I, verse 10, I want you to jump down to verse 10, then we'll come back to 8 and 9. But verse 10, he talks about, and I'm going to read from the New King James, then I'm going to read from the New Living because it says it a little different. The New King James is, says, I take pleasure in infirmities. So Paul mentions infirmities in reproaches, in needs, and persecutions, in distress, for Christ's sake. That's interesting. So he changed it up a little bit. Let me read it in the New Living. It's a little easier to read. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses, the insults, the hardships, the persecutions, and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. So not only is Paul mentioning the thorn in the flesh can be infirmities, but Paul also recognizes, listen, because you serve Christ, because you love Christ, you're going to come under attack sometimes. There's going to be attacks. There's going to be distresses. There's going to be hardships. There's going to be insults. There's going to be people that call you names. There's going to be people that fire you from a job. There's going to be people that don't want you around, people that curse you out because of Christ's sake. If you look at the apostles and you look at Paul and all the apostles except for John, they all died by being killed for Christ. They gave up their life for Christ. These are men full of faith. These are men that are full of faith. Strong, humble men died because they were serving Christ. So the attack could be, yes, infirmity. But the attack also could be, or pride, it can be pride, but it can also be just because I serve Christ. We don't understand that in America that well, but if you go over to India, they're being killed by the thousands, Christians. You go over, I just read a report, the top 50 um, nations that are under attack um, for uh, Christians. Afghanistan is now number one. Afghanistan is now number one, Christian persecution. We have no clue what it's like to live in Afghanistan. Nigeria is way up there. Korea is up there. The Middle East. 
Christian persecution is all over the world. It is everywhere. And we get upset when our Wi-Fi doesn't work. It's like, I'm being so persecuted, I can't get Wi-Fi. Spectrum isn't working today. Green light's down. And we get all upset because we have first world problems. People are under attack. And how you handle these attacks will determine if you're going to fulfill the will of God for your life or if you're not. Because attacks will come. I hate them. I hate when the enemy attacks me. I don't look forward to it. I don't say bring it on. I hate when the enemy attacks. I can't wait till it's over. I quickly go to God and say, what do you want me to do? How do I handle this? What is the attack I'm dealing with? Where is this coming from? Is it something in me? Is there something I need to change? And he says in verse 8, this is what Paul says in verse 8. He says, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. That's exactly, you keep going to God, keep going to God, keep going to God, keep going to God, keep going to God. What is this thing? What do I have to deal with? I understand that I've, I've, if there's something in me that isn't humble, God, show it to me. God, if I'm blind, if I'm deaf, if I'm full of unbelief, if I'm full of fear, full of torment, full of hatred, if I'm full of, what is it in me? What am I missing? Am I being disobedient? Where have I opened up the hedge? I want to ask the Lord, when you're talking to God, ask him what it is you're dealing with. Don't assume you know, because many times we don't. And secondly, how am I supposed to pray about this? Because sometimes the way I prayed about the last thing might be different than the way I pray about this thing. So how do I pray? I'm coming under attack in my family. I'm coming under attack in my body. I'm coming under attack here. I read this book. I read that book. And they're great. Read books on how to pray. How do you pray for your spouse? How do you pray for your children? How do you pray for your finances? How do you pray for your, your job? How do you pray for your boss? Good. Read books. But understand, at the end of the day, you still have to go to God and say, God, how do I pray today for this? I prayed all the prayers in the book. Now, how do I pray? What are you telling me? What's going on? How do you want me to act in faith? How do you want me to pray in faith? And you begin to talk to the Lord. And notice what the Lord says to Paul in verse 9. And he said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I'd rather boast in my infirmities than that the power of God may rest on me. I've used this word before, grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient for me. And, you know, as many times as I've read this passage, it's never settled in me. And so I, I kind of did a little deep dive into the passage and just let it just, just kind of turn over in me for the last three or four weeks. And I began to just meditate and ask the Lord, what do you mean your grace is sufficient? You know, I don't think we understand the word sufficient. For us, the word sufficient means enough. I've got just enough. I've got enough to, you know, when you think of sufficient, let's think of it in terms of your bank. You ever go to, you write a check or you ever get something and you get the response back, insufficient funds? Don't raise your hand. It's okay. <laughs> so you clearly know what insufficient is. You can't pay that bill. And so in many of our minds, sufficient means I can pay the bill. I may have a dollar left over, but I can pay the bill. And so for many of us, sufficient means just enough. Well, I've got enough to cover the bill. I've got enough to make it happen. All right, well, good. Oof. I've, I've got sufficient funds. I've got sufficient strength to get through the day. The day was exhausting. The day was tiring, but I've got I made it through the day. And we think that's what the word sufficient. And if I've got to go through all that and all the attacks of the enemy to end up with the word just getting through my day, something's falling short because that's not the God I serve. It doesn't fit his nature and character. See, when you read a passage, you've got to look and say, does this passage, how does this fit God's nature and character? Because I see the words and understand some of the translations as they went through the years of translation They'd slide words around in there and slide definitions. And certainly, whenever you're studying a passage in the Bible, never use 
a regular dictionary. You don't Google what sufficient means. You, you go back to a Bible dictionary and you look what the writer uh, uncovered what it means when you go back to the Greek or the Hebrew or the Aramaic, or you go back into those translations. And the word sufficient means this, satisfies me, makes me strong and strong enough to help somebody else. Satisfies me, makes me strong, makes me strong enough to help somebody else. I don't know about you, but just passing through and having a dollar left in my checking account doesn't satisfy me. Nor does it make me strong, nor does it make me strong enough to help somebody else. Sufficient means not only do I have a dollar, I have more than enough in my account. I have more than enough strength in my finances, more than enough in my emotional state, more than enough in my physical state. I have more than enough. It not only helps me pay the bill, but I've got strength for more. Not only do I got strength for more, I've got strength for somebody else. That's sufficient. I have strength for somebody. His grace is sufficient. Not only can I make it through the day, I'm going to pick somebody else up and help them make it through their day. I have more than enough to help somebody else. I'm not just thinking about me. His grace is sufficient. It strengthens me. It picks me up so strong that it's not my strength that's picking me up. It's his strength that's in me that's picking up what needs to be picked up. I'm strong. I have power. I have strength. It's not my power. It's his power that's working through me. Not only does it sustain me, but it satisfies me. It transforms me. It lifts me. It builds me. It's his power. It's his authority. It's his presence. If I read it in the New Living Translation, verse 9, it says this. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. Well, if the power of Christ only ends up with a dollar in my checking account, it's not very powerful. If the power of Christ only gets me through my day, it's not that powerful. And so this word sufficient needs to change in our thinking. And so that the power of Christ works best when I'm not relying on my flesh, when I'm not relying on my mind, when I'm not relying on my ability, when I'm not relying on my normal way of doing things. God's power works best in me when I'm relying on his thoughts, his mind, his ways, his power. It's not me when I'm walking by faith, not by sight, when I'm walking humbled, when I'm walking surrendered, when I'm walking by the Spirit, when I know I don't have the strength in myself, but I feel so strong today, I should feel weak. The doctor said I'd feel weak. Everybody around me said I'd feel weak, but somehow I feel strong today. It's not my strength, it's his strength. Because I humbled myself. And I said to the Lord, how do you want me to pray? What do you want me to do in this situation? There are times we can actually pray for years and years and years. And we don't see the answer because we never changed the way we were supposed to pray. There are other times when it's just going to take years. You're going to have to fast. You're going to have to pray it all the way through. But sometimes we, we only allow God one answer. Well, God, this is the only answer you're allowed to give. So I'm going to keep praying until, and I'm going to keep doing th this way until this answer comes forth. Who are you to tell God his answer? Well, this is the answer I want. Well, of course it's the answer we want. I don't think the apostles all thought, God, you know what the answer I'd like is, when it's my time to go, can you please have them behead me? Because that's the answer I'd like. I'd like to be beheaded. I'd like to be hung upside down. You know, the answer I'd like, God, is to really suffer. Maybe they can whip me and beat me so hard. Who wants that answer? Nobody wants that answer. But that's what they had to go through. And when we suffer... Many times we only give God one answer and we wonder why it doesn't come to pass. And here's why. Because of pride. 
Who am I to tell God he only has one answer? God, what is your answer? What is your answer for my son, for my daughter? What is your answer for my marriage? What is your answer for my finances? What's your answer for my job? Some people don't even ask God. Like, God, well, you know, I, I don't want to suffer, so I'm just going to do this. Maybe he doesn't want you to do that. Oh, God, you know, I, I, I've got to keep my job, so I'm not even asking you whether I should do this or that. I'm going to keep my job. And then you open the door to Satan's attacks because of pride. Maybe God's got a better job. And I understand fear steps in. Fear comes in and it harasses us. Well, I, 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 you know, what am I going to do? Ask the Lord. See, if we haven't learned anything over the last few years, we should have learned everything we deal with needs to go before the Lord in prayer. Every decision we make needs to go before the Lord. Because if it doesn't go before the Lord, it could lead to destruction. And I've watched believers, myself included, blame God for something he didn't do. I just didn't ask him. I made the decision myself. I led myself down a path. I said, well, I think this makes the most sense. I don't need to bother God with this. So in my own strength, I thought I was smart. See, there's a lot of dumb, smart people. For me, I know that I think my brain is pretty smart, but I also know I'm pretty stupid. What do I mean by that? I know my mind is so limited I can't possibly think the way God thinks. I can't possibly know the answer to every situation. But as soon as I put my trust in my mind, or I put my trust in your mind, or I put the trust in some doctor's mind, or some politician's mind, or some lawyer's mind, or some boss's mind, I'm in trouble. I have to ask the Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to respond? And it's not easy, because sometimes the Lord doesn't give me the answer I want to hear. He says these words. He says, so now, verse 9, I'm glad to boast about my weakness or infirmities so that the power of Christ can work through me. Let's break this down. The word boast is a troubling word. And the way we interpret the word boast and the way original writings interpret the word boast is different. I'm not, I don't see God telling me to stand up and boast on how weak I am. Well, let me tell you how weak I am. I am so weak. I, I've, been, I've been sinning all week long. I've been, I've been, I'm just so struggling and my thoughts and my mind and I'm under, coming under anxiety attacks and fearful attacks. I'm so weak in my body. I think I'm going to collapse. I'm so weak. I don't think I'm going to be able to make it through another day, another week, another year. I'm so weak. My marriage is so weak. I'm boasting in my weaknesses. See how strong I am? No, I do not see how strong you are. I see how weak you are, and you're still weak. Because some people are great at telling a sad story. Some people are great at telling you how bad their life is all the time. Now, I understand as pastor... I'm going to get people who come for prayer. That's different. Because people come and they're going through this or going through that. That doesn't mean they're a teller of sad stories. That means they're coming for prayer. But some people, they, they don't want strength. They want sympathy. And every time you see them, I remember this one lady who used to come to church years ago. She's passed away a long time ago. She used to catch me every Friday night in the back of the sanctuary. Every Friday night. We used to have Friday night church back then. She'd catch me, say, Pastor, you have to pray for me. Every Friday night. Pastor, I'm so weak. And she'd go through the litany of things why she was weak and why she was dying. And all the things that she was going She seemed to live forever, but she just went through the litany of stuff. And she was always in a crisis, always a, a train wreck. I mean, she just never had anything together. And she said, Pastor, I finally looked at her one, say, one, one time and I said, you need to pray for yourself. Thank you for those three hands. 
Let me rephrase it. Thank you for those three reluctant hands. They were kind of like, I think that's good. Okay. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No. It was just funny the way it happened. It was just like, anybody else going to clap? I'm not sure. Anybody? Uh, maybe I won't. I looked at her and I said, you need to pray for yourself. She goes, I can't. I said, you can. She goes, I can't. And inside, I go, I know she can't. That's why she's always so weak. Because she wants everybody else to pray her through. She has no strength in Christ herself. Paul isn't saying, I boast in my weakness. Let me tell you all how weak I am. Because when I'm weak, I'm strong. No, when she was weak, she was weak. So just because you get up and say, oh, I'm telling you how weak I am. Now I'm strong. No, you aren't. You are weak. Just you can sit there and boast. There's a lot of people who boast on their weakness like it's some sort of badge of honor. Like, it's so great. I'm so great you're weak. I'm so great you have no strength. Isn't it powerful? You have zero strength. Wow. Who says that? Nobody says that. Because it doesn't work that way. Nobody walks around and says, man, I want to be like you. You have no strength whatsoever. You are the weakest Christian I know. I can't believe, man, you just, you sin all the time. You just struggle with anxiety and fear. Wow, if I could just be like you. Nobody says that. But we read this passage and we know how strong Paul was. So something in the translations got missed. Because I'm not sitting here boasting in my weakness. So when I went back and I started looking at earlier translations, I realized that they had replaced the word boast they put the word boast in, but the earlier word said rejoice. Now, that's different. And I don't boast about my weakness. I rejoice in my weakness. When I'm going through my weakness, I'm not rejoicing for my weakness, I'm rejoicing while I'm in the midst of my weakness. Because if I can find joy in Christ when I'm in the midst of my weakness, and I can find joy in loving him, worshiping him, dancing for him, then am I strong. Then does his strength come into me. The struggle we have is our emotions dictate our response. And we, when we're under attack, mine too. And, and when I'm feeling attacked, I can feel emotional. I can feel like overwhelmed. I can feel anxiety. I can feel uh, very teary. I, I, the enemy can attack me and make me feel very discouraged and almost want to fall into depression. I get it. I understand it. And I have to shake myself and start to worship God, start to praise God, get up out of my seat and dance till you feel better. I think that's a song, isn't it? But I have to get up. I have to get to move. I have to begin to dance. I have to begin to shout. I have to begin to do something to find the joy of the Lord to be my strength. If I don't rejoice in my weakness, I'm not going to find strength when I am weak. And when I begin to rejoice in my weakness, in my state of weaknesses, when I'm rejoicing, God, I know I'm, I know I'm struggling, but I'm serving you. I know this has been a terrible week. I know sickness has been all around me. I struggled paying every single bill, but God, you are still good. God, I don't know what's going to happen in my marriage. I don't know what's going to happen to my children, but God, I'm rejoicing in you. You are a great God. You are a mighty God. You are a holy God. I, you are a good God. Then I'm weak. But what happens is when we're weak, many times we go quiet. The death of a weak person is when they stop talking. I know if I'm dealing with somebody who's in a trauma and they don't talk, they're spiraling down a road really bad. And when you just sit and think, Sitting and thinking can be some of the worst things you can do. Stand, walk, worship, get up out of your seat, do something. Get moving. Open the word of God. 
begin to read the Psalms. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? They start reading the word. Thank God his goodness and mercies are following me. When I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your strength, they come for me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall abide in the presence. Somewhere, You've got to grab a hold of something because as you speak the word, faith comes by hearing, your own words hearing, and hearing the word of God. I've got to speak the word. Faith comes, strength comes, hope comes, life comes, power comes, grace comes to be who I'm called to be and do what I'm called to. Now his grace is sufficient because even when I'm weak, then am I strong. So I don't have to fear weakness. The enemy's going to come to all of us at some point. The enemy's going to attack every single one of us at some point. There's going to be attacks in your life where the enemy's going to tell you you're too weak. And in my flesh, I am. But in his strength, I'm not. In my own ability, I am too weak. In my own mind, my mind is not strong enough to fend off every attack of the enemy. That's why I've got to take on the mind of Christ. If I take on the mind of Christ, I don't have to take on the mind of the devil. Because what he's trying to do is attack me, whether it's physically, whether it's emotionally, whether it's religiously, whether it's politically, whether it's with my family, my friends, whatever it is, the enemy is going to attack. I don't know if you realize this, but suicides are at almost an all-time high. It's not because people are happy. It's not because people are just weak. It's because a spirit has come in and taken over their minds. You say, well, I don't believe that can happen for Christians. I do. I've seen it. I've dealt with it. I can take you back eight years ago, almost nine, eight and a half years ago, where the torments of hell bared down on my mind something fierce. Anxiety and fear attacked me to the point I thought I was losing my mind. It had never, ever happened. My family knows about it. But even my wife and I, we hid it from my kids because it went on for months. I even hid it from you. I had enough strength to get through Sundays, and then the rest of the week I was out because I couldn't even sleep at night. Wide awake, wide awake. To try to sleep during the day, anxiety, fear, torment, I had no idea where this had come from. It had come out of left field. It was a buffeting spirit. Thank God I knew who to call. Thank God I got prayer, and I began to punch my way out of it. And I began to praise my way out of it and began to worship my way out of it. I began to ask the Lord, what am I dealing with? What spirit? And God began to show to me what spirit I was dealing with. But let me tell you something. Those harassing spirits are real. When anybody ever says to me, well, you know, people who commit suicide are just selfish. You have no idea what you're talking about. When you've been so tormented, you can't even get your own thoughts. You can't even control your mind. When you can't stop the thoughts in your mind. From, and if you've never had this happen, it is a horrible feeling. It is like your brain is popped open and everything's coming in and you can't stop it. And you have no way to turn it off. It just goes and goes and goes. Anything you do, nothing helps. It's a horrible feeling. I am convinced there'll be some people in heaven who just, they, 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 they couldn't stop it. They love Jesus. I love Jesus. But I said to the Lord numerous times, if this is going to be my life, take me now. I can't do this. And I want to be here for my wife. I have a beautiful wife. I have beautiful kids. I have a wonderful church. I have a great 
people I love. Great. It had nothing to do with that. You couldn't turn it off. So I know what it means to fight through demonic attacks. I've been there. It, probably once a year now, I get at least one or two people who come to me who are tormented in their minds. And God uses me, because I've been there, how to break that off of them and how to go after and how to pray. You don't look at somebody and say, well, get over it. Get over what? A demon harassing you? Please write this up for me and pen and paper and email it to me, how you get over a spirit. I know how some people get over it. They drink, they drugs, they pills. They do. That's how they get over it. They just try to drug themselves out of it. Or, or and therapy, I'm, I'm for therapy, I'm for counseling. But unless that counselor is full of the Holy Ghost and points you to Christ, they're going to struggle. They're just going to recommend meds. They don't know what else to do. And this is why I'm telling you this. A buffeting spirit, a demonic spirit, has gotten a hold of our nation. We are under attack, and I believe there are so many openings. Sin is huge. But let's be honest, the pride in America, it's off the charts. I would love to see our leaders bow their knees and say, we have no answers but God. And we're bowing on this, and we're repenting to God, and we're repenting for our sins. We're stopping all this stuff that we're doing, the lies, the deceptions. That would turn our nation around. Whether or not that ever happens, I don't know. But what I do know is I can do it within me. I can't control the government. I can't control your place of employment. But I can control what goes on in my heart and my life. I can control to, to, under the power of God, with the anointing and the grace of God, can give me strength when I am weak. Can give me strength to break through the clutches of the enemy. The enemy is real. There is grace to step into a, a new place in God. There is grace to step into a new freedom in God. Maybe some of the reasons you're being attacked is because of pride. Maybe some of the reasons you're being attacked is just because you serve Christ and you've been doing some things and now you're coming to attack. It could be for a variety of reasons. This is why we go and ask the Lord, why am I being attacked? And then God, give me grace. Give me sufficient grace to get through it. I'm not planning on staying in it, but while I'm in it, give me grace to get through it with power and authority because I don't have to sit there and be weak every day. I can be strong in the Lord. God loves us this morning. And God cares about us. And when we read the word, what I love about this passage, it says not only did he give grace so that I could boast or I could rejoice in my witness so the power of Christ could work through me. I love what it says in verse 10. Therefore, I rejoice, not take pleasure, I rejoice when I am going through infirmities, reproaches, needs, persecutions, distresses. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I'm weak, then I am strong. At the end of the day, it's all about my relationship with God. At the end of the day, where do I stand with God? Let's stand this morning. I want to pray a couple of things this morning. I know some of us are overwhelmed. I know some of us feel very weak. And it's very real because it's a, it's a spirit. I trust today you understand you're dealing with a spirit. And dealing with a spirit doesn't mean the spirit has to control you. You know, half the battle is knowing who your enemy is. If you don't know who your enemy is, you don't know how to fight. And sometimes we can be our own enemy, but most of the time Satan's just attacking us. 
Sometimes we can be around the wrong people and they can actually be causing us problems. But most of the time, it's our relationship with Christ that needs to get better, needs to get stronger. Maybe there's something we're doing that isn't pleasing to God. Maybe there's something. I always ask the Lord, have I opened the hedge somewhere? Have I opened, have I done something? Is there a sin? Is there a disobedience? Well, what type of disobedience? Was there somebody I was supposed to witness to I didn't witness to? Is there somebody I'm supposed to forgive? Is there somebody I'm bitter towards? Is there somebody, my money, is my money an issue with God? Do I give God what is his? Do I struggle with giving? And do I need to repent and ask God to forgive me for my money, for the way I handle it, for decisions I've made with my body, decisions? That's not unusual for me to ask the Lord. I need you to help me. There are struggles. There are real attacks from the enemy. The enemy's going to try to keep you as oppressed as possible. But before we pray for that, I want you to bow your heads. The first group I want to pray for is those who don't know the Lord. You're not serving the Lord. Maybe you used to, or maybe you never have. But you know you're not serving the Lord right now. Maybe you try to some days, but you're really just not. You're just not serving the Lord. And this, mor this morning, I want to ask you, this afternoon, I want to ask you, is today the day you want to start serving the Lord? You can't fight these demons by yourself. You can try, but you're not going to win. Do you want to serve the Lord today? Do you want to give your life to Christ? Maybe you're young, maybe you're older. Doesn't matter to me. Say, Pastor, will you pray for me? I know I need to give my life to Christ. If that's you, will you lift your hand and say, Pastor, you pray for me. I know I got to give my life to Christ. I want to give you an opportunity in the balcony, on the floor. You don't know Jesus. If that's you and you know you want to give your life to Christ, in the next 10 seconds, I want you just to come down front and face me and I'm going to pray with you. Don't be nervous. You're not becoming a member of the church, but you're making a declaration. I need to serve Christ. I want to serve Christ. Is that you, buddy? All right, come on. Stand right here. Anybody else? You say, I want to serve Jesus Christ. I know I need to serve Christ. I'm proud of you, son. I'm very proud of you. Anybody else? You know you need to serve Jesus Christ. Certainly if a young boy can walk down, you can walk down. If you know you're not serving Christ. Well, pastor, I don't know if I'm ready to change. Well, okay then. We'll still be here though, but you do need to be ready to change. I'm not going to lie to you. It will require change. Some people have altar calls say, you won't need to change. Yes, you will. Yeah, it'll cost you something. It costs Christ something for you. It's going to cost you something to stay saved. You don't have to pay something to get saved but you're going to have to pay to stay saved. Meaning, you're going to have to change your life. You have to surrender your life to Christ. So if that's you today and you want to give your life to Christ, just come forward and join this young man in the next few seconds. Anybody else? Just real quick, I want to give time. All right, let's pray. Let's pray. We're going to pray, okay? Oh, good. Come on, ladies. I'm proud of you girls. I'm proud of you. This is awesome. So proud of you. We're going to pray together. And we're going to ask the Lord to change our hearts. He loves you, ladies. He loves you so much. And today can be totally different. You don't have to be harassed. The enemy doesn't have to control your thoughts. You may have to get off social media. You may have to get out of some things. But you can do it because a lot of the, our attacks in the minds comes through things we watch and people we listen to. Satan feeds them and it feeds into our minds. And God wants to set you free and set your minds free. So let's pray together. Come on, congregation, let's join in and pray. Just repeat after me. I want you, you all to repeat after me, okay? Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me for my sins. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. I choose today to serve you, 
to give you my heart. Change me. Help me. Let me know that you love me every day. I receive you and I will serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, I just ask the blessing of God upon each one of these young people. I ask for a fresh anointing upon their minds. I pray over their thoughts. Father, I rebuke every dark thought. I rebuke every harassing thought. I tell it to leave them now. Father, you are the freedom giver. And I ask for the mind of Christ that you will give them strength to change. You will give them strength to become strong in you, Father. I just cut off every relationship that's not healthy for them. I ask, Father, that you would give them wisdom beyond their years. And that, Lord, you would teach them how to walk with strength and how to walk with grace. Let them know you personally. Give them a prayer life. Give them a hunger for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want you to take a minute and I want you to just talk with a couple of my leaders here. Make sure you have some stuff. Come on, give them a hand this morning. Isn't God good? Nothing touches my heart more than seeing people get saved. We had four, we had two first service, six today. Six salvations today. The best. And whoever's online, if you're online and you're watching, maybe we have more online. You let one of our moderators know. We want to pray with you, help you get started. Here's the second prayer this morning. And I want you to pray. I want you to engage yourself. And I want you just to talk to the Lord. And maybe you're feeling like the enemy's been trying to attack you. And I want you to ask the Lord, what is it? What am I dealing with? Spend a minute and just say, Lord, what am I dealing with? What's going on? And just let him speak to you. And if he says something to you, first of all, if there's something you need to repent of, repent of it. If you need to ask forgiveness, ask forgiveness. If there, and then secondly, ask him how to pray through it. Is there something, is there a focus you want me to do? Is there something you want me to say? Is there something you want me to stop saying? Sometimes it's our own mouth that keeps us in trouble. So Father, we pray right now. Lord, we come to you individually. We're standing before you. We ask that you would show us what we're dealing with. Father, whatever this harassing spirit is, whatever this buffeting spirit is, Lord, we rebuke it. And Father, we ask that you would take it out of our lives. Lord, that you would show us what are we dealing with? What spirit are we dealing with? What thing, is there something I need to repent of? Is there pride in my life? Is there unforgiveness? Is there bitterness? Is there anger? Is there sin? What is in my life? Is there something you need from me, Father? Is there something I need to make right with you or make right with somebody else? Father, I just take these things out of me. Lord, I want to live a pure life. I want to live a holy life. I want to live a righteous life. Lord, forgive me for not praying as much as I should. Forgive me for not fasting the way I should have. Forgive me, Father, for not reading the word like I should. Forgive me for not prioritizing our relationship. Whatever it is, Father, show me. And Father, I ask that you'd reveal to us how to pray. Show us how to pray, Lord. I believe today your grace is sufficient for us. Your grace is powerful. Your grace brings joy. Your presence brings joy. Lord, even in the midst of great turmoil, even in the midst of great attacks, I can still accomplish what I'm called to do. I can still be who I'm called to be. Father, even if the enemy's trying to railroad me, and even if the enemy is causing me to lose this job or causing my health to go this direction, Father, you can turn my health around. You can give me a better job, another job that you've already got planned for me. So, Father, I rebuke every spirit of fear. I rebuke every spirit of, of harassment. And, Father, show me, how do you want me to pray? What do you want me to do? What is the step of faith? How do I step out and do what you've called me to do? And I ask, Father, that you would fill us with the joy of the Lord, that the joy of the Lord would be our strength, that as we step into joy, even in the midst of our weakness, we would have a new joy. Even in the midst of the attack, we'd have a new joy. I release joy into this house. I release joy into every family, into every person that is feeling down, that you would change our weakness, our talk of weakness, into a talk of joy, that we joyfully 
go through whatever we're having to go through, that you would give us a new joy, that you'd give us a new depth of relationship with you, that, Lord, we would find your strength, and not only strength for ourselves, not only strength to get through the day, but, Father, we'd have strength for others. We'd have enough strength that we can lift somebody else up. We'd have enough money we can help somebody else. We'd have enough healing that we'd be strong enough to encourage somebody else, speak life into somebody else. Father, we come to you, and we ask for your joy to be our strength. We ask for the grace that is sufficient for us to fill us during this season, and that, Lord, you take over this house, this city, this nation. Father, that you would come. We lift up our leaders to you. We lift up our nation to you. We lift up our city to you. We ask that they would bow their knee and that, Father, that you would come and you would intervene and that, Lord, you would move on behalf and that you would change people's lives, that they would serve you, Father. We love you today. Fill us. Let this week be a week of discovery, a week of discovering sufficient grace, a week to discover grace when we're under attack. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening to our Faith Church podcast. We are so glad you chose to listen to this message. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to receive notifications when we release new content. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Faith Church Rock to find out more information about what is currently happening at Faith Church.